0: Blob Talk Radio <laughs> Back in time, the seasons pass, when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score, which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the Gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of Gridiron Greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football History and its memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network, in conjunction with Swick Enterprises. We're live from the for Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 140 plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. We're sponsored in part by MSB Sports Cards. Check out their website for one of the largest selections of football cards and memorabilia on the web at msbsportscards.com. And we're also sponsored in part by BST Auctions. Check out their website and their upcoming auction at bstauctions.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host. Yes, he's back. He is a senior, contributing writer <laughs> to United Rates Magazine, a football, member of many of historians, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular, Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular, Steve Larger. He hails from Portland, Oregon, Mr. Joe Squires. Joe, welcome to the show this evening.
1: Good to be back, Captain. Very good to be back. Yep.
0: Joe, I heard you um you were uh passing out Seattle Seahawk football cards in Australia uh when you were down there last month. I I heard that was the rumor. I, I, I was I had a few people call me and ask me about it and I said I couldn't confirm or deny
1: <laughs> that. But I heard you had a nice time down there. <clears throat> that sounds pretty good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I would have got some odd looks handing that out, uh, you know, footy, you know, American football. You know, anyway. <laughs> But, yeah, just uh yeah, spent a month down in Australia. It's just one of those things wow. that uh, my wife and I wanted to do, and uh you know, we've been saving up for it and finally uh finally just decided to you know today is yesterday's tomorrow, and uh, pulled the trigger, so yeah,
0: sounds great, sounds great
1: well I, my I, vacation I got a, to got a chance compare to
0: the. Yeah, compare yeah, to exactly that. We, we uh we just went to a for six days and we came home, but. Australia is a very, very interesting country. I know my daughter was down there for a couple of months uh last year uh, this year oh. doing some work down yeah. there and uh, she said it was a very very interesting country. Yeah. Well Joe, you're back. Interested. Welcome back. And this show today we're uh going to be recapping the year of two thousand seventeen. And again I just wanna I wanna mention to our listening audience, especially those people listening for the first time. The podcast show started in December of 2011, and we ran 48 shows from 2011 to 2014 on the old uh, Weatherheads of the Gridiron podcasting network, and I took a a couple-year break revamping the podcast, and we restarted it here in 2017, with Joe continuing to be my uh, co-host with several guest co-hosts in between uh, because of Joe's... uh, uh, being booked for those days but in any event we this is our 18th podcast of the year next year for 2018 we'll be back stronger than ever we're going to be uh, hopefully running 20 at least 24 podcasts including one live one from the national in cleveland in 2018 so i'd like to start by talking and doing a little recap of the guests we had on each show and some of the thoughts and ideas yep. and memories we had of 2017 and some, some future views of, of 2018. One of the first shows we had uh, was talking about um, uh, with John Spano who handled and is handling the liquidation on BST auctions of the Mike Blaisdell collection. And it was a yep. good show to start off our, yep. our podcast season with because as anyone knows, Mike by far and wide has one of the most incredible football card and memorabilia collections in the country. And, uh, Joe, what, are, what were your thoughts? A coming back on the podcast and be a show like that for our first show.
1: Yep. Uh,
0: January of
1: 17. And, uh, you know, Mike Blaisdell, as you mentioned, he's one of those guys whose face is on the Mount Rushmore football collectors. Uh, we all know him. He's a friend, a personal friend, uh, along with John Spano, and uh, you know. And it's it just, it's when somebody makes it to the top of uh, top of the mountain, they ring the bell, they look around a little bit with their collection, and then they uh, descend. And we all we all get it. People's lives change. Uh, kids go on to college. You know, you retire, etc. And uh, at some point, you become a little stir crazy with their collection, and we, we, we totally get it. Mike is just one of those collectors. Uh, The bit my biggest fear with him moving on from his collection is that you know all of that mass of knowledge that's up in that big misshapen noggin of his would
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know he, you know that that he would kind of disappear from the chat rooms and stuff that we're so used to seeing him on. Uh, and you just you mm-hmm. can't recreate that knowledge. Uh, he's just he's been doing it since I was in you know eighth grade. He's been in the hobby, you know. uh, you know, you just you can't recreate that. That was my biggest fear, you know, when when Mike told me he was, you know, going to sell a lot of his collection.
0: Well, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been my experience over the years, that I've seen a couple big, bigger, nothing like Mike's collection, though. Go on the market, and the collector leaves the market, and I've somehow run into them at a show or whatever. They call a lot of the blue type of song. And um, I, I agree with you. It is, it is kind of scary that a collector of that magnitude
1: yep. with his yep.
0: or her knowledge yep. actually just leaves the hobby and that's it. And I'm real happy for Mike that he is still staying active. And he still, I know yep. Mike still has a few items in his collection. He's keeping. And at the same time, he's still sharing the knowledge of what he has and what he knows. And again, Mike and I go back a, a long, long time back to our SCD days back in the eighties. And, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of different changes in the hobby, a lot of different yep. um, movements in the hobby, and I'm I'm very very happy. Mike went out on his own terms, and I think that's an important aspect of collecting. I know of several collectors who pass unexpectedly or quickly, or really never came to terms with what what's going to happen to the collection after I after, after yeah. I pass. And boy. I, I'm always happy for any collector who does it on his or her own terms. Uh, Mike did it on his terms, and, uh, and I'm pleased with that to say yeah. the least. Yeah, My, Mike and, assured us
1: he came onto the show a couple couple programs later. Our, our first show back in January of 17. Uh, you know, John Spano was our first guest, and he talked about the collection and some of the things coming up in the auction. And uh Mike was a guest later on, you know, and uh he assured us mm-hmm. he's still gonna be around in the hobby. We you and I mm-hmm. still see him chatting on boards. Uh he's still yep. there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yep. Yep. I've got I've got his cell phone number. If I ever had a question, I'd give him a jingle. Mm-hmm.
0: And and to yeah. me to me, you know, it that is an important aspect that, you know, stay stay active somehow somewhere with the hobby type of situation. Especially when your collection yeah. goes. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's it's uh, very very critical. The um, just as an aside, and I thought about it when we were when I was looking at the script for today. Several uh, issues back in gridiron Great greats, we had a New York Giants super collector who unexpectedly passed very very early in life, and he uh, basically left his collection to his family. And I know the family donated some of the collection to the Giants, and, um, and, and I, and I, you know, interviewing the, the family and talking about the collection, and so on and so forth. I really felt bad about the whole situation because it was a, you know, it, it was a shock to say the least. But then again, you got people who are in the family who are non-collectors; they have no clue what yeah. to do. You know what I mean? And I, I, I literally get that call once a month from somebody, or an email from somebody. Wow. Can you help me with? You know, with you know what I have, I don't know what it is, blah blah blah, type of situation. Wow. I donated it, and it's it's tough. It's a tough situation to be involved in. Wow, I had no idea. Huh. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it is what makes it is. Me, I mean, congratulations I, you know. to Mike for what he accomplished in the hobby, and congratulations for a very very successful auction, spreading those items to other collectors and. In the football world, to say the least. And I was, uh, uh, next, and that I was privileged
1: I enough. I was privileged enough to pick up a couple of items, uh, you know, off, out of yes, Mike's collection. Yes, sure. uh, you know, or, you know, a couple Red Grange cards. Uh, some, yeah, right. it was just Mike. Had when we had him on as a guest, he talked about some of his favorite things and you know how rare some of them were. And it was just, it gave me a lot of insight into what you know what he focused on and what he considered rare. It was just, it was great.
0: Right. Right, it was, and I I do know people like yourself and several other big collectors who, like Jeff Payne, who picked up a few items for their collections from the Mike Mike Boysdale collection. And I do, I do say this: we're one hobby where we we just lack showing that uh, thread of where our items come from, and we should really start looking at, especially with football. The major collectors who've impacted the hobby, and if you do up, get an item from them, they really need to be noted. Um, not so much for being number one on a you know on a graded card site or whatever, but you no, know, actually being involved in the hobby as long as they have so on and so forth. So um, it, it is a good that's a good point uh, province to have for the for the collector at the same time.
1: That's a very good point. I know the provenance of quite a few of my cards. I mean, obviously the Blaisdell ones I picked up. Uh, uh, my, uh, my my you know anonymous, my John Dunlop from the 1894 Mayo set I picked up at yeah. the Dryer you know museum yeah. uh, you know collection. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah. I've been to the Dryer Museum a couple times and you know you know gawked at the at the breadth of their collection. And uh, I never imagined one day that the Dryers would sell their collection and I would own. You know that card I was looking at through the you know through the glass cases, and when right. they split up their collection, right. I mean there were probably three or four things. I'm like, I have to have that, and uh, and I, I was able to go out and get them. So I mean, yeah, I I, that's, I definitely know the provenance of quite a few of my you know the cards, you know my higher end cards.
0: Right, right. Well, that's good.
1: That's what you need to know. All right. Looking at our second point
0: of our show today, the inevitable card trimming. Issues, and everybody knows how I feel about that. Joe, you're more of an expert than me on card trimming, thoughts, ideas, problems. Yeah,
1: this came. Uh, you know, this topic came up after I wrote an article. You know, for our, our Gridiron Greats about uh, the trimming. You know, the love affair between card doctors and the 1948 Leaf set. Uh, 1948 Correct. Leaf is one of the cornerstones of any football collector's you know collection. Uh, you know, it's just, it's got the majority of our Hall of Fame rookie cards in it. Sid Luckman, you know, Sammy Baugh, Bobby Lane, uh, you know, Doak Walker. I mean, you can go on and on. Uh, And it's because of the, you know, the the odd sizes of it, you know, and I I switched to millimeters to metric, you know, for this one, because it's so much easier to measure. But, you know, just the odd variations. I mean, a card can be between, you know, 55 and 60 millimeters on the short side. And, you know, 60 to 70 millimeters on the long side, that's just, that's quite a percentage. So, I mean, you know, I've been, I've been collecting that set in particular uh, for over a decade, for probably, you know, 13 years. It's been the set that I immerse myself into, you know, digitally calipering each card I get, labeling, measuring, uh, you know, the variations, soaking cards, you know, it's, it's just, it's one of those sets and. And just, you know, probably about four years ago, I just started see, uh, seeing PSA slip a lot of trimmed, very obviously trimmed cards through the, you know, through the through the doors and slabbing them. And it just mm-hmm. it was just something I felt like I had to pop smoke on and, and just let people know that, you know, just because a card's slabbed doesn't mean it's authentic and hasn't been right. altered. Right, right. <clears throat> and, again, that just reiterates my distrust for the whole yes
0: graded card market. You know, again, everybody... Anybody who listens to the podcast or knows me knows my feelings on graded cards. Yes. And here, here's a really good example of, okay, so we supposedly have experts that are grading our cards. And I I'd say that with a question mark sometimes. And here's, a, here's, a, here's an excellent example of a massive problem in the 48-leaf set. And is, it, yep. is the problem actually really being addressed? And B, how long is it going to go on for? And see how you know how ridiculous is it that these card doctors really feel you know justified in doing what they're doing? I mean, besides the ethics of it, you know their names to me are mud in the hobby, you know and yeah. and it, it's just, it's it's horrible, it's really horrible and i I really well, think that the hobby was you know patrolling itself a little more carefully. This would not be an issue, and we wouldn't be talking about it right now. It would have been re- resolved, and would have been
1: taken care of, and that would have been it.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. And that I see as a major problem right now.
1: So where there's money to be made, I guess there will always be. You
0: know, yeah.
1: You know, you know the, those crappy people who are out there trying to make it.
0: I mean, and and, and to I me, it say, just, you know, it just it bothers me after all these years of being in the hobby. I still got to hear stuff like this going on. You know, besides. You know, uh, wax packs that get resealed, uh, yeah. you name it. It's been, it's been done in the hobby, And for what? What's the purpose? Yeah, you're right. It's money to be made, so, okay, let me rip off the unsuspecting person and what's a type of situation. And I think, it, to me, it was much more prevalent um, in the late 80s, early 90s as the card explosion took place. And I think it's more sophisticated today with much more advanced techniques especially on higher-graded or higher or more expensive cards. You know what I mean? And that really has yes. impacted the hobby at the same time. It's not, it's oh, with, not with limited the,
1: to football. It's with all sports, you know. Without so, a doubt. Oh, and we could go on and on. You, you touched on wax packs being resealed, and I bumped into that as well when I went to sell some of my wax, you know, in my sealed boxes, discovering somebody mm-hmm. had, you know, somebody had made fake B-B-C-E shrink wrap and stickers because I, I had you know, boxes I'd purchase, and uh, when I went to sell them, uh, you know, when I went to sell them, uh, you know, Steve Hart from BBC reached out to, uh, you know, the person I'd consigned them to and said, that's not my signature on the sticker. You know, so I found out, Um, you know, the boxes that I'd bought, you know, that I thought had BBC, you know, BBC, you know, author, authentic, uh, you know, had been authenticated by them, I found out yep. that people were even even faking those, and it just it made me shake my head at the hobby. It's like, oh my gosh! I mean, you know, just it's tough. I mean, you know, we're we're not even touching on autographs. Uh, you know, the the prevalence of fake autographs in the hobby, and yeah, or yeah, yeah. you know, memorabilia. You know, game used jerseys. I mean, just yeah, it's I mean, uh, know what? you know. It, yeah, it's a hobby. It's supposed to be fun. But I, I guess if you, somebody's willing to pay $1,000 for something, there's always somebody out there who's looking to, you know, be a step ahead of that.
0: Right, right. And unfortunately to me, the long-term impact of it is very negative for the hobby. And that's why I, I yes. you know, the way I'm happy, yes. I'm happy what happened with, with the whole maestro uh, issue. But again, how, how how quick does the second maestro come out in the market? And there are many of them, I'm sure. But, you know what I mean? Wait so, yeah, you're that's absolutely very right, I forgot
1: about the mast yeah, the mastro yep. thing, I mean, here we have, I mean, we, you know, we feel like that turtle that's being born that's trying to make it to the ocean, and we've got seagulls and rats trying to pick us off, and then once we make it to the ocean, there's even more stuff, you know, out there, I mean, that's why one out of 100 turtles live, I guess, but, I mean, here we are, yep. Yep. I mean, even if something is authentic and not trimmed and slabbed, Now we've got, you know, we've got Mastro shilling us up while we're bidding it. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, one hurdle, one blockade after another, you know, this poor hockey. It just, it boils down to as as cheesy as that Joe Orlando shtick is, you know, you don't, you know, uh, you know never get cheated. I mean, you know, educate yourself. If you're going to uh, collect something, educate yourself in it. You know, just, uh, you know, that's why listening to a podcast like this is important, being on on chat rooms, chat boards, and not being afraid to ask questions and Yep. And, uh, yeah, and go, yeah, going to a an national and asking people—all important.
0: You know, ex exactly. All right, moving on to a couple other topics. Two guests that we had. We'll start first with uh, the very, very incredible collection of photos of Jeff Drum, who we talked about. Yeah. And then right after that, Michael Steele, who's a big uh, uh, Boston New England Patriot program collector. Let's we'll start with Jeff. Yeah. And his collection. He was featured as a super collector on our issue yep. number 48 and, um, credible collection of photos.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's hard, you know, fo- photos. I don't collect a lot of photos except old vintage, you know, Grange and Ford photos, but, uh, yeah, he was, he was a great guest. He was fun and, and just classy. I love the guests you come up with and, uh, percent of the guests that Bob's, you know, that, that are on the show are, are Bob reaching out to people, you know, It's like if Johnny Carson. Exactly. It's like, well, of course I'll, uh, of course I'll be on the show. I mean, you don't say no to the to the ambassador of football, Bob Swick.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what's interesting with photos, and I've always said this: there's been a lot of reprints of photos over the years, and there's again going back to our our previous topic. I've only collected, and I don't have a lot. I have a lot of team photos in my collection, but I also have a handful of uh, the old UPI and AP wire photos. Which are pretty yep, cool. Yep. Especially if you can actually yeah. find them with the uh, backing on the back where the uh they have the blurb of what the, the photo mm-hmm. was um, listed as in the newspaper. And those are pretty neat to collect. I have always enjoyed those. But again, those are tougher and tougher to find. And again, you gotta make sure what you're buying is actually uh, you know, a real uh a real photo to say the least. The uh yeah. The other area that I've always loved is programs, and I obviously Michael Steele was a great collector to interview with his uh, Patriots program collection. And again, I got to reiterate for the hundredth time on the show: uh, back in the '70s, my mom would make us a couple sandwiches, um, throw a couple cans of soda in a bag, and my buddy and I would drive up to Foxborough, walk up to the gate, buy tickets. And basically sit anywhere we wanted in the stadium because it was half empty all the time, <laughs> and uh you know we, we eat our sandwiches in the parking lot, and uh again Foxboro at that time there was one way in and one way out. We park in an old field and walk down the you know a couple of miles to the stadium type of thing and uh, it, it was it's it was it was a pretty interesting experience, so now the Patriots are gold, and uh tickets are very hard to come by yada yada yada. It's an interesting yep. contrast, and, and it's. I always, I always enjoy talking to a collector, who, no matter how well or how bad the season was, they continue to collect their, you know, whatever their, you know, team card set, program, yearbook, whatever it may be. They continue in good times and bad times. Yep, but and with the pa- Patriots, there right. were a heck of a lot of bad years compared to good years. <laughs> years. So, uh
1: <laughs> truly Michael and Oria about about you know. The New England, you know, the staff of New England, of the Patriots, reaching out to him to get some of the older programs that they had a gap in. Right. And right. they offered him tickets to, uh, and, and he took them up on it. He just recently posted, you uh, know, post up his story about visiting a sideline uh, with right. press, right. you know, uh, right. with with, with a press pass, visiting the sideline of a game that the Patriots invited him to for giving yep. them copies of the program so that they could display and it just uh, yep. Yep. uh you know you know as a Seahawk fan I'm not a uh, you know I shouldn't like the Patriots but I don't know I mean deflate Spy uh, spygate all that crap aside uh, I think the Patriots are a classy organization and I I've, I've always liked them oh, yeah. I mean
0: yeah. does Bill
1: Belichick cheat sure he does if you're not if you're not cheating you're not trying I, I think a famous packer uh coach said that so you yeah. know
0: they are they're a very they're very upscale organization for their fans. They take care of their fans. I've always felt that when Kraft took over, the team it was probably the best thing that ever happened to them. At the same time, that, I, I I think that that was uh, that was excellent on their part, you know, and they they are fan friendly to say the least. And again, living in a territory where basically you got Jet fans, you got Giant fans, and you got Patriot fans, um, it's kind of interesting to see. The, um to me, the Patriot fans are very, very dedicated to their team, followed by the Giants and followed by uh, the Jet fans around here locally. So it's very interesting. And uh, then we had uh, a couple of guests who had a military influence. Uh, Dan Absolutely. Elsass uh, with his Chick Hartley Ohio State collection, and then Scotty Auton who uh and I I wanna give a shout out to Scotty. He's currently in Iraq on a tour. Um he uh I I kinda uh what's the word I uh emailed him back and forth during the Army Navy game that he was watching over there and it was it was pretty interesting. And I gotta say the Army Navy game this year was just great it was great to to watch. Um it really without a doubt makes me feel good. It makes me really feel good. I know you're a Navy man and uh it just really yep. made me feel good to to watch A uh, Couple of thoughts on Dan's uh, collection of Chick Hartley, and I uh, Chick Hartley. And I, to me, it's just such an incredibly specialized collection, which well, is I'm so out. unique and so historical. Uh, it's just it's just great. I, I mean, I I always say to myself, yep. if I could just find that one niche. But I don't think I ever could because I'm such a generalized football collector from A to Z. But in his case, he just he just embraced it and he's just got an incredible collection uh, of his
1: items, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. So obviously, I've obviously I've got my Steve Largent. It's almost comical, you know, how synonymous my name is with that, you know, with Steve Largent. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, and, just, and just to meet another collector like Dan Elsass, who you know is focused on Chick Hartley and Ohio. I mean he's shown me pictures of his office before. It's just uh, you know, he's stationed over in Italy, he's in Rome right now. Uh the right, commander right, in the Navy, right. uh you know, I'm ex Navy. <laughs> Excuse me. We both talked about our time on nuclear submarines. Uh, just mm-hmm. uh, have a good connection with uh with Dan. Uh just a great collector, classy guy, uh you mm-hmm. know always willing to uh you know, to kind of you know, give information on that stuff, but on his on his collection. And I yeah, I I, I I do appreciate someone who's found focus like that.
0: And I and I will point out, um, Dan came out to the national in Chicago this past year, and I, I was very fortunate to grab him the first night he was there, and uh, we we ended up having dinner together uh, with Brenda and myself and uh, Eric Stang of our same. other super collectors, and uh, we had a great 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 meal, great time, you know, great conversation too, Scotty. Uh, incredible Army Navy collection, to say the least. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm so happy least. I was able to hook, hook up with him and um, and talk to him about it. And again, like he said, once he's back in the states, he'll be contributing a little more back to Gritter and Greats magazine. But his collection is just just beyond yeah. belief. And so, something I always enjoyed. It, I have bought in many army and navy programs over the years i've had a lot of people ask me about my and you'd be surprised there's a lot of people that actually do collect army navy programs and army navy ticket stubs and i, I over the years i've been more than happy to help people out with their collections on them uh i think i right now only got a handful of army navy programs left, but um uh, it's a great collection something i highly recommend and again you don't have to go from the first issue i mean uh first game again. Yep start in the 40s or the yep. 50s or any any time is, is a great time to to collect yep. them
1: we also have no, i uh, like scotty i like scotty a lot i uh, you know a decade ago i'd done trades with him he also collected uh, the 55 tops all american set uh, uh, Correct. A, a decade yep. before yep. you know before he's on the show he and i had uh, you know had bought and sold a couple of cards back and forth and i just i you know I have you know the you know, our, our military guys always have a special place in my heart. So I mean, I remember, th- I remember dealing with him from that because I was asking him where he was stationed and what he was up to, and et cetera. And, uh, yeah. and just you know, yeah, you, it just it was nice to reconnect with him. You know, all these years later, and just yeah. you know, and just remember how classy he was. That's good. We also had on our show uh,
0: a, a stable influence and a stable contributor to Gridiron Base yeah. Magazine over the years. Our Reverend Mike Moran telling stories about his father, Hap Moran. He's he's um you know such a such a great collection. I I mean I find that arguably, yeah. you know, you're collecting your father's legacy and um what a story
1: that's been. Very,
0: very Yeah, I, I always
1: I always joke around that uh, you and I are collecting football history. Rev is football history, his family is football right. history. I mean yeah. i I don't know of any other collectors whose father played, you know, in that era of football. I mean, it's just, and it's, I mean, we're, you know, it's, it's walking, talking football history to speak to, speak to to around. And I just, and I always appreciate it. I always love it.
0: Exactly. It's, I've, I've known Mike for many years now, and I have always found he, he never fails me to find something new, and or unfounded that he did find for his father's collection, and I find that truly amazing. And it just shows yeah. you too how much stuff is actually out there that's still unfound. I, you know, I hear I hear from several collectors though I can't find anything. Blah blah blah. And I always say, well, you're not looking. You know, you're not yep. going into the antique shops. You're not going. You know, to a paper show. Yep. You're. You know, you're sticking with. Um, you know, let's say so eBay go to the national. or. Yep. or the National Card Shows or whatever. There's a lot of other areas out there where you can be looking for items and finding items in I, the water. And I think they're, I, I, they're
1: really out there one way or the other.
0: I would they're honestly bad. say
1: the majority of my very esoteric things in my collection came from my friends in the hobby. I mean, again, I, you know, I yep. mentioned I'm a big, steep margin collector. I get texts all the time, texts or emails from people all the time, hey, did you see this card, this Largent card?
0: Nine times out
1: of ten, yeah, I, I saw it and/or uh, and I got it. You know, I tell people thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, but the one time out of ten where it's like I didn't see that and no, I've never seen that item before. That to me is how you how you get those oddball items. You uh, you 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 spread your wings in the hobby. You get friends and you let people know what you're collecting, and those people look out for each other. Uh, right. I mean, right. You know. I I know what my friends collect, and if I saw something that they were collecting, I'd definitely give them a a heads up. So, I mean, that's, you know, so suddenly, you know, suddenly you just, you know, multiply the eyes and ears out there, you know, on the ground looking for what you're collecting. Exactly,
0: exactly. And and that also leads us into our Green Bay Packers super collector, Scott Walters. Scott, I met at the National this past year. It was funny. He yep. came up to the table. He said, uh, Are you Bob Swick? I said, Yeah. And he said, uh, I subscribe to your magazine, said his name, and I do right away. Who, I recognize the name right away because we had uh, emailed each other back and forth on some Packer items. And uh, what a great story he has with regards to the uh,
1: Packers' history that he collects and what he has
0: in his collection. Also. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I I want to go back to the to you know uh, Rev real quick when he was telling his story about driving while his dad and somebody were driving the car, and they were drinking, and that you know who was that that he was talking about? Was it? I, I forget. I just I I jotted down my notes you know on our on our you know agenda that he was talking oh, about somebody.
0: Uh, who. Oh boy. I I don't know I I I gotta think about that. I just I know I, I remember that, that story. story all. Out. Yeah, yeah 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 yeah. Yeah yeah. I'll have She's to reach out and ask, but yeah. I
1: just remember that. But yeah, Packers Super Collector. I remember that well because uh, I think the Seahawks had just beaten the Packers, right. you know, in, right. in football, and wow. so I I was riding a high that you know that, you know that week, uh, you know, a very mm-hmm. you know smug. Glum, my team just beat your team high, you know. Uh, <laughs> and it, look at look at both of us. We're we're both going to miss the playoffs probably. So, you know, oh I, yeah, I guess, yeah. You know, look, look, look where that got me. But
0: yeah, that disaster. was honestly very close to your heart. A disaster of a year for the Packers and Packer fans, to say the least. And again, uh, as I, I I commented to two two people I knew uh who were Packer fans, I told them straight out. You're the backup to one of the number one quarterbacks in the NFL. You have no room for error, and you have no yeah. room to to make a mistake on the field. You have to be perfect. You know what I mean? Because you yeah. never know, as a backup, if you're going to be out there or not. And that's simple. And, again, I'll, I'll give them some benefit of the doubt, because the, the line has been really injured most of the season. It's, it hasn't really – Hasn't been a good, game, good year for them in any way, shape, or form. And they don't go out and get players either. You know, they do it their way. Yep. So, you know, you're going to suffer through a, a 500 season here and there and type of thing. But it also shows to me exactly. Rodgers is uh, not going to be Superman. He's not going to be a Brady playing in his 40s type of thing. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a what I remember about, tough
1: fall. Yeah, exactly. What I remember about that Packer super collector guest is just you two. You know, you two, uh, you know, you know, Green Bay Packer fans, just talking mm-hmm. and talking and talking. I, 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 I think I could have uh, gone out for a sandwich in the latter part of that show and uh, not missed a beat. <laughs> uh, just the, the the two of you, the two of you talking about Packers, and I'm just, and I've I've, I've said this a hundred times. I've got the best seat in the house, you know, being the co-host of this show, and uh, some of the guests to get brought on, and just hearing you, you know, you, you know, you're walking, talking football history as well, Bob. Like it or not, I mean, hearing the two of you talk about Packers and you know collecting and and you know uh, items you collect, it was just it was fun.
0: Yeah, it was a, it was he was our great guest, but I'll
1: tell you, our next guest right after him
0: um, was our post serial ser- serial super collector, Robin Pauls. What a unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable show! And I'm gonna I also put in a plug. That was one of our most listened to shows. Of the podcast, uh, it, it was amazing. He he is just uh, you know he is post serial sports cards, baseball and football.
1: Yeah, to say the least. Yeah. We're both friends with Kirk Robinson, who also collects uh, you know the post serial. Right. And uh, right. I posed the question: Who would win the uh, death cage match? You know, uh, you, you know, like a Jeopardy style death cage match. Uh, <laughs> you know, over post serial. And, uh, you know, Kirk chimed in a little later on a chat room you and I belonged to that it wouldn't even be close that Robin would smoke him. And he said, uh, I, Robin knows more about this set than probably the people who created it.
0: And I, I was, I was, I thought I knew a little bit about the, you know, the short prints and the double prints. I knew nothing Oof. after what I, what I saw nothing. him come up with. And I, I went through some of my um I have a handful of duplicates that I went through my, my regular two hundred card collection of the of the sixty two post set. And I, I said to myself, this this is just mind boggling to me to see what he came up with <clears throat> and all the different variations on it, and how he encaptured to me the real history of the sixty two yep. post serial set. I mean it's just it's yep. just amazing to me. Truly amazing. And uh well, you want to talk can. about? Yeah,
1: you know, no, go for uh-huh. it. Uh, well, and, you know, I right. mentioned earlier, I collect, I collect, I collected the 48 leaf set. I feel like I'd immersed myself in the 48 leaf set. You know, that's 13 years worth of, you know, you, you, you know, 12, 13 years worth of collecting one set. You know, Robin had been putting this together. You know, for I don't even remember how long he said, but I mean, there's a whole different level of collecting to the point where you probably know more about the issue than the people who created it. I just I, sometimes right. I wish we could go back in time and Robin could you know meet the people who put this together. I'm like, hey, did you know that there's a variation of the you know of the photo in this and this and the guy'd be like, I had no idea. I guess I guess the printer messed that up. I mean, it'd just be it'd be right. fascinating to talk to them. They'd probably laugh laugh at us for getting this down into nuances of a of a certain set. Right. And and in that case, though.
0: To me, a lot of the different variations are very legitimate variations because they were on Without a doubt. different cereal packages, different um, uh, size packages, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So it was to me, there's a lot of interest in that because, again, historically, they issued these cards on their cereal boxes, but they had different brands and types of cereal boxes. So therefore, that is, to me, a very you know realistic variation, not... You know, a print error down. where ink got print, uh, ink got smudged or whatever. You know what I mean? And uh, you're I absolutely thought, right. Like, in the in the nineties. All the pro set variations. I mean, they were stupid as far as I was concerned. You know, they're printing errors. Yeah. That's all they are. You know.
1: No, so you're right, uh, you know, and I people, would agree with
0: you. You know, but the post serial variations to me are are realistic variations. I
1: mean, they are. You're spot on. They
0: are batched to the boxes.
1: You know. I spent probably 45 minutes going through Robin's website, just looking at the variations. And like you said, the tip of the iceberg of my knowledge of the set, you know, I, yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, you go back, I go back to the leaf set because it's the one I know. And you're right. A lot of, a lot of the variations quote unquote in that set are printing errors. It's, you know, maroon Jersey versus red Jersey on grange. you know, white, white, uh, white between the knees versus black between the knees, uh, Right. You know, I mean, a, a lot of these are printers, brown helmet versus tan helmet. And I'm pretty sure if we brought these variations to the printers, they'd say, uh, okay, well, we ran a bunch of sheets with this ink, and then we got another batch of ink in, and we just poured it in, and all right, so I guess that one was a little bit lighter, and it came back with a tan helmet, brown helmet, really? You know, Sorry. Move, move out Sorry. of your parents' and you know, and, and get a life, you know, to quote,
0: exactly. you know, to quote William
1: Shatner. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. Out. We also had we also had uh Chris Chris oh. Willis on the show and uh incredible guest. book that he wrote on Jim Thorpe, which actually Jeff Payne reviewed the book. It's gonna be in this coming issue of uh Gridiron oh, Cooks magazine. Chris is um good friend of G uh known Chris for many years. Chris actually wrote for my old uh football times newsletter back in the nineties when he was a grad student. And um, he's he just got an, an amazing ability to capture very, very yeah. interesting facts about something, especially obviously yeah. dealing with football and m- writing a book on it, which was, was truly amazing.
1: Yep. Boy, and talk about the resume to back it up. I mean, you know, working with the NFL like he does, just having access to that. Right. I mean, just uh, truly, yeah, I mean, he, he, immersed in he has a
0: dream. He has a dream job, too, for for anybody who doesn't know. He works, he's the head of the, NFL, uh, he's the head of the research department at NFL Films, and uh, so that's got to be amazing. I mean, that would be my kind of yeah. job.
1: <laughs>
0: so I would walk access to the material,
1: Every day, like you said, yeah, access to, you know, Chris has access to material, he's immersed in it, he's part of it. Right. I mean, you know, how how, how could you not? You know, just you know, eventually start writing books. You know, following up on this. He mentioned in the show, didn't he, that he was coming out with a who who was it? Uh, Another book, wasn't Um, it, like Don Hudson or?
0: Yeah, he's working on that now, and I don't know. I don't know when his I forgot what he said his publication date is going to be. I want to say it was going to be eighteen or nineteen. So uh, he's working on that. He's doing the the concepts on it right now. But uh, I'm sure that's going to be a, a, an excellent book to read too. And I, I never realized, too, again, especially a lot of the older Packer players. I really thought there was a lot written. There really wasn't a lot written, one way or the other. So um, yeah, that should be a great, yeah. great book to to come out come out with. Great guest. Uh, we also yeah we also talked to uh, John came back on John Spano came back on on a later show. And, um, you, you and I talked about this actually prior to asking about it, the, um, what he feels the most expensive or a football item that could ever come to auction. Give me some background on that. And, cause I know well, it's,
1: uh, you and I have talked uh, about six figure football collectibles, right? right. You right. know, cause <laughs> you've got the Honus Wagner, you've got the Babe Root cards in baseball what are the most expensive football cards and you know we've had we've had we've talked about it you know off air you know you know quite a bit you know on in chat rooms etc so i just asked john you know what what would be the most expensive football item that could ever come to auction i mean real or imaginary and he had a a pretty interesting reply
0: and i that's your I (laughs) (laughs) i missed it i'm sorry you know about a segue. Uh, it, the, you know, if you have the the TTO six of football, the Hannes Wagner card of football, we argued about this for a long time. I've been arguing about that for probably yes. five years now. And yes, when he came up with it, you know what you you know you you picked up on pretty much because it's it's up your alley more than anything. A game-used Jim Thorpe jersey that actually has the the province of the of the piece itself is, is that really in existence? You know, can it be in existence? Can any real uniform jersey still be out there from let's say the 1920s or the 30s type of thing? Good and question. that that's the very good question. you know that's the real tough part of trying to understand. Of trying to trying to figure out, okay, what it, what is the most rare rare cards? Okay, you could argue all day as far as cards are concerned, and I've I've yep. said this many times: the Dunlop card, the anonymous card of of the Mayo set is probably one of the rarest cards. But unfortunately, or fortunately, they're out there. You just got to have enough money to buy it, type of situation.
1: Absolutely. But at the
0: same. Uh, at the same time, there's a lot of obscure, you know, you look at the Shotwells, you look at the Spalding's, you know, those are, those are in a lot of cases, probably one of twos, one of threes, one of fours that are actually yep. there, that are going nowhere fast in people's collection type of situation. So, if we argue, again, a jersey from that kind of a player with that kind of historical background, that could probably be... You know the, the the most expensive most expensive item ever out there. For football.
1: Think about, think about the most famous picture of Thorpe. It's him playing for the Canton Bulldogs, standing on the side of the field, hands on hips, akimbo. You know, looking at the. I mean, that is the most popular picture of Jim Thorpe. Agree? Right, right, right. It's right. the, the, the one you see a lot of. Imagine if mm-hmm. that Canton Bulldog jersey had a tear or a smudge or a patch on it. And that jersey came to auction and it's like you know, and it had you know, his name on it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. If it could be proved that the jersey in that Canton Bulldog picture was the jersey coming up and it was in halfway decent shape. Yeah, that that yeah. has some that has some firepower on yeah. it. You know it you know? it it would be
0: incredible. It would be an incredible piece. And again, putting it in perspective how do people spend ten, fifteen thousand dollars on a modern card, which is in theory a one-on-one, <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. they they have no conceptualization of of the historical, the true historical value of some of the items that come to the market. It's just it's just beyond me. Oh, yeah. It makes no sense to them, no sense to me whatsoever.
1: At, at the at the end of the day, Captain, we all collect pictures of men in tights on cardboard. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm not going to wag a finger at somebody else who collects modern versus me. We we all suffer right, from the right. same mental illness, so <laughs> you
0: know.
1: <laughs> all right, we also. Somebody who doesn't sorry, collect. Somebody who doesn't collect who meets me and goes, "You collect football cards, huh?" I mean, so right. we're all we're all odd from the outside, so.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, while you were away, we had uh, Jeff Jeff Pain filled in. Uh, I had one show. Jeff talked about his collection, which was pretty incredible. And then we also had super collector Mike Rich on the show talking about his collection. And again, like I said on that show, Mike and I go back many, many years trading cards. We traded cards without um, the precise value of cards being exchanged one way or the other. Uh, That's something unique about Mike. Mike's an old time collector, old fashioned collector, kind of like me where you traded cards and, you know, if, if, if trade was in your favor, okay, excuse me, down the road, you would find something, you'd send me, or whatever, you know, type of situation. I've traded with a lot of people over the years. I had one guy that used to drive me crazy because he had the exact book value for every card precisely in the condition it was in, so on and so forth. And I would just say to him, that's what you feel it's worth, that's fine with me. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to even bother looking up, you know, looking up the card value type of situation. And again, it goes back to Shows back in the early '80s, which a lot of people don't realize, you go to a table. A superstar was a quarter. Uh, up a coming, up and coming rookie was maybe ten cents. Commons were always a nickel. And you know, oh, older so vintage superstars may have been fifty cents or a dollar type of situation. That's the way it was back then. And you know, dealers made a pretty you know good well for selling a lot of cards. A lot more people collected sets back then than they do today. So therefore, there was a lot of people looking for actual numbers of cards, so on and so forth. And I think that's that's more important in the hobby right now, especially with all the, yeah. the different box breaks that go on and all that.
1: So Mike's is definitely yeah. a, a, a
0: serious throwback to a different time and yeah. You have, in collecting you have a story those. of
1: a uh, card show of, of a card show where a uh, somebody walked in and sold a collection of football and baseball to a, a baseball dealer, and he didn't know what to do with the football, so he's walking out to the dumpster to throw them away and you intercepted yep. him. He's like, I don't know how to sell these. I'm just chucking there's, them.
0: <laughs> there's too many times I would go to the show and I, I would ask if they had any football cards and they would look around seeing, so nobody else was seeing anything going on. He'd go into his box in the back of the table or whatever, pull out a cheese box and he says, give me five dollars for this. And that's all I got type of thing. I would rarely ever see football cards on a table. So I would always have to ask, you know, do you have any, have any football cards type of thing? And then, then all of a sudden, in 1988, 89, I was everybody's best friend because football started to get hot. And, uh, oh, oh, okay, uh, I could use some 1950s cards. Can you give me a deal on them, like a Nicola card or whatever type of thing? And uh, it, it, I, I just found great irony in the whole market at that time, seeing what happened. Yeah. But in the good old days, good old days that I, I you know, went to shows, it was tough to find football cards to say the least. So and it was also Speak. equally tough for anybody who collected hockey or basketball cards because they they just weren't there. Basketball yeah, totally. was the king and you know, and that was the type of situation. Still
1: is, yeah. All right. Still is. I a think, couple, and talk couple about more. uh talk about classical trades. Uh you know, Jeff Payne and our buds and he and I just completed a trade. I gave him some star player candy cards and he gave me some Pottsville Maroon uh postcards. So uh Wow. And he and I both noted it it, it. it was like being on the old school bus trading cards out of your lunch pail. Was, <laughs> right, you give me three of those and I'll give you two of these. Sounds good. Yeah, you know I mean we yep. we had we had a great trade while I was away, uh, which is pretty cool. That's good. That's good. That's what you
0: know. That's the way the hobby was. People don't realize that, to say the least. Yeah. have uh, we got a couple couple more points as we're winding down time here. Next year's <clears throat> national is going to be in Cleveland. And I remember the last time I was in Cleveland for the National, it was uh, very interesting for me to, to say the least. So uh, this year's <laughs> National. This Can you elaborate year's National, on that, uh, It was, it was uh, I felt like I went back in time where I was staying. Uh, naturally, where the convention center is, is pretty much uh, away from uh, Cleveland itself. So I stayed at a uh, Best Western, which was near the convention center. The town that it was in, which obviously is a suburb of Cleveland, I don't even know what the town was, or if it was Cleveland per se, it, it, it just reminded me of going back in time. You know, there was no restaurants there and nothing was open. You know, you go back to your room at night and that was it. You know, that type of situation. So, so it, pe- it was very people interesting. In Detroit, so this
1: year, pe- huh? People in Detroit make fun of Cleveland? Is that uh, what you're saying?
0: Well, yeah, and uh, I, this year I think I'm going to look. I'm going to look to uh, staying downtown area where there seems to be life after dark, and uh, either you know take yeah. a taxi to the show or whatever. or I may drive out there one way or the other. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Chicago this past year was Chicago. Uh, well, Rosemont, obviously, uh, nice area, a lot of stuff going on, uh, very interesting show to say the least. Cleveland should be a little different because there are some. Uh, different dealers that go there be some different material to see. I always comment. I did comment uh, at the Cleveland show. I ran into a guy who I think he just moved his collection of Cleveland Browns cards that he brought into the show, and he was trying to sell certain things. I never have seen the organization of a table like his. He had binder upon binder of Cleveland Brown cards, and I mean literally every. Uh, insert every um newer card like eighty nine up type of thing was incredible, it's incredible display that he had. I don't know how how well or how how uh poorly he did, but it was it was amazing to see and watch there to say the least. So are you planning on coming out? It's a the million dollar question every year.
1: I uh, man, I I will. Uh, I wish it wasn't in Cleveland because if it was in Baltimore, Chicago would make the decision easy. I just uh, I I love the people. I I I really wish I would have made it to the last one. You know, Dan Elsass was there. You, I mean, honestly, yeah, yeah. I go for the people. I, I go for the people. I've I've shown up there on a Thursday before or Wednesday and not even made it to the national for like a day and a half. Not even walked the floor and spending so much time with people. Uh, I will call the ball on that, Captain. And uh, and right. it back to you. I need to I need to figure out. Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll see. But uh, all right,
0: our last topic, and then I'm going to hand it off to you. Uh, next year's collecting wants and needs. You got anything on your want list you're looking for or whatever? And uh, I'll give you a couple of ideas what I'm looking for.
1: You know, I I, I want to focus my my collection. Uh, I I just consigned a couple more cards. Uh, you know, to Al at love of the game. He was, you know, doing his West Coast tour, and I met him, met him at my house, and had some stuff. I'm just, I'm trying to focus it down. I used to be kind of all over in what I collected, and I've really narrowed it down lately. Uh, I, I, I want to. I, I sold my Nagurski a couple years ago. You know, I just had an offer I couldn't refuse. You know, per se. Mm-hmm, I want to, I want to, mm-hmm. find another Nagurski. Uh, I just, I feel like my, uh, my collection is, you know, isn't complete.
0: You know, without a Kerski in there Filling How about you, Captain? When you get an offer For an item in your collection That's unbelievable, you gotta take it I've always said that from day one As far as what I'm looking at I still don't know (laughs) And again, I'm stuck on A couple of different paths One, making a much better attempt To get some one-on-one Of uh, oddball and insert cards Pre-1988 and back for my collection, I'm also pretty stagnant on my Mayos. I always say I try to pick up at least a couple a year. I have over half the set in the SGC 20 and 30. Um, I've seen a lot of a lot of cards came to the market, in my opinion, in 17. I bid on several of them. I got outbid on them because uh, I just didn't think they were worth the grade type of thing. And I really don't want to overgrade the set either. I don't want to buy 50s and 60s when I only have 20s and 30s. You know what I mean? And vice yeah, versa. Totally. And I don't wanna I, I don't want any tens either, although I've seen some tens that look like thirties. That type of situation. Yep. So I'm gonna I'm gonna mill around with that. I'm also gonna mill around with deciding what I'm gonna do with my fifty two Bowman uh starter set that I have. If I should just I I started and stopped that set probably four different times now, so I really gotta decide what I wanna do with it. I, I'm leaning again on loading what I have in it, but I don't know yet. I'll have to see. You're you're a completionist. And I'm you're hand off com-
1: You're completionist, Bob. You gotta you gotta hit the finish
0: line. Yeah, I know, I know. That's what a lot of people have told me. So, there's a, there's a, a handful of oddball stuff that I'm still looking for, uh, including the 65 tops, magic emblem inserts. I need three more yeah, of those to finish the set. And those are just I I, I don't understand. I just can't see, I can't find them. I see them at the national. They're not the ones I need. And uh, this is just amazing to me. All right, we're down to. Only a few more minutes. Joe, I'm going to hand off to you.
1: I just wanted to wrap up the show by saying thank you, Bob, for re- reviving the, uh, you know, the podcast. I don't think a lot of our listeners realize how much, uh, you know, effort goes in behind the scenes, you know, that Bob puts on with this. Uh, getting guests together. I, I I want to get a picture of where you sit to do the show because you've mentioned it's a console, <laughs> et cetera, but, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing where you where you sit to the show because, I mean, I, I I do mine pretty easily on my end. Uh, I mean, just getting guests, getting scripts together, uh, also publicating Gridiron Greats, which is our, you know, our hobby, you know, anthem. Uh, you know, Bob, you are the ambassador to our, our football. I just wanted to thank you for reviving the show. I just uh, – I remember when you reached out to me again, you know, and you're like, hey, I, I want to get the band back together. And I was sending you pictures of Ed McMahon and you know Jeffrey Tambor, you know with jokes. But I, mean, I joke around. I mean, I, I do have the best seat in the house, uh, you know. I, you know, just for this show, and I, I, just, I love being involved with the hobby. You know, you, you know, you, you make me more involved in the hobby, and I, I and I do love that. You know, and but, you know, we we call you a lot of names. You know, the the ambassador of football, <laughs> the the captain, the, the captain. And I just, you know. I, you know, my favorite is just you're my friend, Bob, and I just I, I love being involved in this podcast with you, and I just want to say thanks. Well, Joe, I,
0: I appreciate the kind words, and again, I, I appreciate you being a co-host. I, I think we have a we have a unique chemistry being on the show together, <laughs> and uh, I, I've had many many very positive comments uh, with regards to having you back as a co-host. Obviously, because this is not our full time work, we obviously have other. Uh, obligations. You're a busy guy. You're a business owner. You have got a lot going on. So I do appreciate the time you take out of your busy schedule to to come on the show and and the time you do spend on the hobby too. Because again, you know, we only have, as I tell people, 24 hours in the day, and uh, that's really not enough time to do what everything you know everything that needs to be done type of situation. And it's yeah. uh, it's interesting. I will promise though for 2018 to send you some photos of the man cave uh, because I. I had a new floor put in there. I've I had a lot of stuff uh, redone in the nice. room. I, I had a minor uh, flood in the in the, the man cave earlier this year, and uh, I had some pipe work out oh. to be done. And uh, it was it was kind of a mess to say the least. So I had to move everything out. I'm in the process of restoring and uh, putting things back in where they should be. Type of situation. Oh. Again, one thing I tell people: I have about. Four hundred uh, four hundred books on football in my collection, and I have a large bookcase <laughs> that I have all the books, books in, and I really got to reorganize it because it's a mess right now. I have to move a lot of stuff off a couple shelves uh, when I have to move everything mm-hmm. around. But I will promise not it again. I want to wrap up by saying thanks for listening. We're sponsored in part by MSB Sports Cards. Check out their website MSB and BSC Auctions, check out their website, bsdauctions.com, for their latest and upcoming auctions. Joe, we'll be talking in 2018. And I want to thank all our listeners. for New listening. Year, Jeff. We'll be back. Happy New Year, Joe, and Happy New Year from football history and memorabilia. Take care.